You're listening to Radio Free Edville. It's Edville on the radio for free. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham, and this is your Christmas Edville Gazette, December 25th, 2020. Tech giants fined for cookie crimes. France's Privacy Commission chastened by translation faux pas by Missy Blingpunk. Paris. France's information privacy watchdog, the CNIL, has fined Google 100 million euros and Amazon 35 million euros for placing cookies on people's computers without obtaining prior consent and without providing adequate information. Sources tell the Gazette that recriminations for the impetuous imposition of these fines are now coursing through the corridors of power in Paris, reportedly landing this weekend on the desk of French President Emmanuel Macron. At issue is the embarrassing fact that the three members of the CNIL's computer bureau are not French, but German and Belgian. Thanks to France's powerful public sector unions, two of the three officials have failed their language proficiency exam so many times that they can no longer be tested. The third does not speak French. According to the CNIL handbook on cybercrimes and corporate malfeasance, a cookie is a small piece of data stored on a user's computer browser that allows websites to identify users and remember their previous activity. And here, in the tangle of EU translation protocols, lies the problem. For according to officials at France's Directorate for Food, the French term for cookie, petit gâteau, has nothing to do with computers and can reliably be taken to mean a small, usually flat and crisp cake made from sweetened dough. Lawyers from Google and Amazon have affirmed that, in a pandemic-inspired gesture of solidarity with their French subscribers, the tech giants did indeed take the liberté of including chocolate chip and peanut butter cookies in their Noel deliveries, and that they really meant no harm by it. The three unsackable officials at the centre of the storm have apologised profusely, saying that they have the greatest admiration for the unimpeachable ethics of any and all Silicon Valley tech monopolies now and in the future. French officials are hoping that this embarrassing incident will not result in a diplomatic row, particularly where Washington is concerned. President Macron is reportedly keen to bring a great reset to his relations with President-elect Biden, who in turn has promised not to pick lint off his suits, as Donald Trump did. Opinion Farmer I'm just not sure about these city voters, by Edna Farmer. Edville Well, that nice Mr. Trudeau has come up with a carbon tax scheme to save the planet. And now there's some major league bickering going on about whether his tax will transfer revenue from the cities to rural areas or vice versa. This tiff, in turn, has prompted some uptight urbanites to call for major revisions to Canada's electoral map in order to concentrate even more power in the cities, if you can believe it. Now, I want to state for the record that we are rock-ribbed Democrats here at the Gazette. We've no truck with anyone who thinks country folk should be overrepresented in Parliament, 
and that goes double for smug politicians who think they have the rural vote in the bag. One person, one vote. That's our mantra, by golly. But here's the thing. If we're going to have a sensible conversation about the PM's plan to deliberately hobble the most important sectors of our economy, we darn well better make sure rural voices are heard. And the reason is obvious to anyone who's not hunkered down in a posh condo at Bay and Bleu. Most city folk do not drive the tractors and combines that produce our food, or the trawlers and lobster boats that harvest our seafood, or the 18-wheelers that transport it all, or the snow plows and graders that maintain the highways that make all of this activity possible. And apart from yammering on about emissions, I doubt whether any Southern Canadians have given a moment's thought to the folks who make our energy and mining and forestry sectors hum. City dwellers who think country folk hate the carbon tax because it raises the cost of off-roading and bass fishing are missing the point entirely, which is perfectly understandable if your contact with the real world is limited to zooming to work, taking the elevator down to Starbucks and driving your EV two blocks to Sobeys to haul in all those tasty grocery items from every corner of the world. So we need to get the word out. We country folk are so critical to the nation's prosperity that we need to stand up for ourselves and we need to challenge the nonsense coming from self-important urbanites who make their living pushing numbers around on screens. If all this hubbub about the electoral map sparks a regional scrap over who's going to get the lion's share of the PM's carbon tax booty, no one in the cities should be surprised when rural Canadians put up their dukes. Badger Stop whining about the local news crisis by Dick Badger. Edville. I don't know about you, but I think it's the funniest fucking thing ever to hear big city editorialists pissing and moaning about the disappearance of small town news outlets. But piss and moan they do endlessly and in four part harmony, targeting big tech bullies and bloggers and everyone in between. Last weekend, Ontario's biggest daily went all weepy about the so-called ghost newspapers that are destroying the lives of us poor, benighted townsfolk. Each passing year leaves more Canadians in the dark about local news, deprived of accurate, reliable information about community events, blah, 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 boo-hoo. Honestly, the condescension is thicker than my boy attempting trigonometry. People don't realise what they're losing, says one bird-brained expert who appears never to have left Queen's Quay. Well, I'm here to tell you that out here in the boonies, people are smarter than ever, and they know exactly what they're losing. They're not losing a damn thing. Take Edville. By my count, we have at least two dozen local news outlets in the Tri-County area. Roughly half of them are owned by big newspaper chains now lobbying the feds for direct subsidies and laws to muzzle Google and Facebook. The other half are startups run by enterprising locals taking advantage of digital tech. On any given day from where I sit, we've got more local news than anyone has time to read. They're all scared shitless about the stratospheric success of the Gazette, of course, but that's another issue entirely. What the worry warts never bother to mention is the amazing access rural Canada now has to the world's best newspapers. Can you subscribe to the New York Times if you live in Edville? Check. 
How about the Spectator, or the Telegraph, or the Economist, or the Maldives Times, for Christ's sake? Check, check, and check. The PM has been promising for years to boost rural internet service, which is a damn smart idea. Damn smart. But if ever we do get 200 megs a second out here in the boonies, it'll be the last nail in the coffin for these city-bred nutters who seem to think rural Canadians are still living like Okies. Local. Special to the Gazette. Ice Angling Safety Tips, Volume 1, by Jeff Mullett, Jr. First, I want to shout out to my boy, Randy. I can't believe Dick finally let me write this article, and I bet him a six-pack that I could finish writing it before I finished the six-pack. So here we go. Beer 1. So here it is. I told Dick I wanted to write about sledding or fishing or both, and I wanted him to put it in his shitty paper because I figured that'd piss him off even more than sledding on his lawn. Cheers to Dick and Randy. Beer 2. Second, I want to get serious. Ice fishing is a serious business in these parts, and I wanted to impart my wisdom on people who may be new to the pastime or people who just need a reminder. Be careful out there. I've got some basic tips that y'all should be following to stay safe when you're out on the ice. But first, I'm going to crack another cold one, because what is ice fishing without a brew? Beer 3. Safety tip number one. Don't smoke anything from someone you don't know. I went out on the ice with this newfie pal of mine and his buddy and his buddy's buddy a few years ago. Turns out the one guy was an agent for the Ministry of Natural Resources. He was undercover looking for ice poachers. Can you believe that shit? And I tell you, I was seeing pink elephants. Boy, was I bummed out when it turned out the elephant I caught wasn't an elephant. It was just my buddy's foot. He's got a scar now to prove it. Don't ask me what he was doing with his boots off. Know your source before you get out on the ice. Maybe have a brew with them. Make sure they're the real deal. Good times. I'll drink to that. Beer four. Safety tip number one. Don't take the doors off your pickup to make it an ice truck. One time, my brother and his buddy did that and thought they got out on the ice come hell or high water because they thought that truck would be able to float without the doors on. Well, a couple of losers. That truck's still on the bottom of Lake Scugog and the doors are still in my garage. Gary, come get your damn doors. Cheers to my brother. I love you, man. Beer five. Safety tip two. Bring a friend. Ain't no fun going out on the ice by yourself. I'll drink to that. Beer six. Safety top three. Don't bring a wife if you want to have fun. The last time I brought Amy, I swear to God, I thought we were going to get a divorce. She was on my jock about shotgunning too many beers and she whined about cigar smoke bothering her so-called allergies and sometimes I love her so much man I I just wanted to come and do fun things with me and my brother and my friends because she's my best friend and I love her you know and I I just need to let off steam and that's why I go fishing but I love her I don't mean to make her mad I'm just trying to be a man and show off and so she remembers that you know I know things I've got things to say and I'm funny and I'm funnier than that guy at her work that's just got that nice Dodge Ram. You know, too bad his rims are factory. 
I could use a nice new truck, but you still want Amy to get mad at me because I told her I'd keep this truck for two years before I traded it in. God, I love that woman. Nobody looks better in hip waders than she does. Nobody. Nobody! And that guy at work can kiss my ass. Factory rims on a truck like that. It's a damn shame. Looks like you owe me a six of that, dicky boy. <laughs> Coburg cancels New Year by Janelle Bling Punk. Coburg. With the COVID infection rate climbing throughout Northumberland County, Coburg City Council has decreed that this year's first night New Year's celebration must be cancelled. The year 2020 will therefore continue indefinitely, at least until the District Health Unit can confidently lift the protect yellow status now governing pandemic protocols. It's sad, really. Like this year hasn't been long enough. For old lang syne. Coda, Visiting Millie by Abigail Lovely. Millie is delighted that the chubby, red-suited fella is going to be hard at work over the holidays. They say he's essentially a service, she tells me. And it's true. In a press conference last week, Premier Ford thanked Santa Claus, the elves, the reindeer, and all of the workers who were essential to the success of this COVID-contaminated Christmas season. And that's a darn good thing, given that almost every other tradition is being torn asunder. At least the little ones can go to bed Christmas Eve, secure in the knowledge that a properly masked and socially distanced St. Nick will be visiting with holiday cheer and adequately disinfected presents. Millie's holiday wish is to have her own nocturnal visit from a dashing stranger with a twinkle in his eye. A moment under the mistletoe would do me a world of good, she says with a wink. It's been ages since anyone put anything in my stocking. <laughs> world. Breaking Banana Peel Incident Mames Model by Mabel Lean. New York. We're receiving real-time reports that due to the careless disposal of a banana peel, a well-known stock image model has fallen and broken his wrist, curtailing his ability to model watches, handshakes, and diverse happy business people typing on a keyboard. Sources say the banana was only moderately ripe and could have been eaten at a later date preventing this tragedy. <laughs> Bielefeld? Nope, never heard of it. By Hedy Bunt. Bielefeld, Germany, is offering a 1 million euro prize to anyone who can prove that it doesn't exist. This strange challenge has arisen out of a persistent online conspiracy theory bearing the title Bielefeld, There's No Such Thing. Evidently, the city is completely nondescript and forgettable, despite being over 800 years old. Herr Bunt is understandably worried that old things are now considered non-existent simply because they aren't renowned or particularly productive. Damn cancel culture, he says. The conspiracy theorists pose three questions. One, do you know anybody from Bielefeld? Two, have you ever been to Bielefeld? Three, do you know anybody who has ever been to Bielefeld? And the answers, of course, are no. The same can be said of me, laments Herr Bunt. Do you know Herr Bunt? Have you ever met Herr Bunt? Do you know anyone who has ever seen Herr Bunt? Is it not ironic that the possible non-existence of a city of 336,000 people 
is the very thing that brings it to the world's attention. As for Herr Bunt's continued existence, you'll have to take my word for it. Psychic Wins Lottery 160 Times by Hugo Blue. Dumfries, a Virginia man, Kwame Cross, last week experienced a psychic episode while at home watching television. Without warning, he was overcome with a powerful feeling about the digits 7314, the street number of a house shown in a program he was watching. It must have been some kind of premonition, or perhaps the Illuminati reaching into his subconscious through the TV, because afterwards Mr. Cross felt so confident in the number's prescience that he went out and purchased 160 lottery tickets, all using the same auspicious digits. And then he won, on every ticket, amassing $800,000 in winnings. I just had this feeling, he told the press, downplaying his own clairvoyance. The odds of correctly guessing the winning numbers for this particular lotto are about 1 in 10,000. If you ponder the odds of doing so 160 times, you'll just end up plugging Stargate Project into your search engine. It's unknown what the future holds for Mr. Cross, although with his gifts, he's sure to have some idea. But one can easily see him muscling into the psychic game after such a feat. Crystal balls, talk shows, etc. He'll be chatting up deceased relatives in no time. Starship Kaboom by Hugo Blue Boca Chica SpaceX is celebrating the test launch of Starship SN8, serial number 8, even though it culminated in a spectacular explosion on the landing pad. SN8 appeared to commence its launch sequence well enough. The flying grain silo blasted up into the sky under the massive power of three Raptor engines which before long began shutting down, one after another. At an altitude of 12.5 kilometers, the final Raptor quit, leaving SN8 to execute a floppy gimbal maneuver and drop like a dead weight to the platform below. Just before contact, the Raptors reignited, adding to the spectacle a radiant and entirely photogenic plume of fire. Fuel header tank pressure was low during landing burn, causing touchdown velocity to be high and rud, announced SpaceX CEO Elon Musk. Rud, for the layman, stands for Rapid Unscheduled Disassembly, a.k.a. a big kaboom. We got all the data we needed, he added. Despite the unintended fireworks, SpaceX is calling the launch a definite success. Even fellow billionaire and space rival Jeff Bezos called the launch impressive, referring to the manoeuvres, presumably, and not the explosion. SN8's sister ship, SN9, also suffered the minor inconvenience of leaning and falling apart on the tarmac. This, too, was considered a great success. Mars, here we come. Gratuitous Cute Animal Photo by Dick Badger Pygmy possums, which are teeny tiny and cute as fuck, are making a comeback in Oz. So it's a good news story and a damn good reason to run a cute animal pic. 
and an opportunity to draw in all the eco-warriors who otherwise wouldn't touch the Gazette with a barge pole. By the way, I gave this story to Bertie initially, but he couldn't stop yelping on about koalas and coral reefs and all that mass extinction stuff that makes him feel so validated, as he puts it. So we cut a deal. I told him I'd write this piece on the adorable possum and he could do something on polar bears and tree frogs in January. Well, we'll all be so bored under lockdown that it might even seem interesting. So you have that to look forward to. Well, that's it for the Edville Gazette for this week. And indeed, for this shit stain of a year. On a personal note, I'd like to wish you all, wherever you are in the Tri-County area, a peaceful, relaxing and safe holiday season. Hold your loved ones close, but only if they live in the same house as you. I'd like to thank the staff at the Edville Gazette for forgetting to write a Kids and Geezers RLMAO column this week because I absolutely detest having to read them. Merry Christmas and God bless us, everyone.